Let's go. Hi, hello, how are you? Thank you for joining me today here for another episode. Um, let's get right down to business. Daylight Centers, they got a new single out called Gambling Man. Shout out to Liam, Scotty, Two Vans, and President Dustin. Hollow Weird 2 is going to be put on by uh, Caroline Bowman, Cold Lunch, uh, all those cool friends. That's going to be at the Cobra. It's Attack of the Killer tribute bands featuring Penicillin Baby as the Modern Lovers, Sad Baxter as Hole, The Inscape as Pink Floyd. I think they're doing Piper at the Gates of Dawn. The Downers as System of a Down with Spooky Karaoke hosted by Alex. This Saturday night, the 27th, I will be playing bass at the Blue Bear Barn with the Emma Holden Trio. If you were wondering if I'm still available for hire as a producer and a musician, the answer is unequivocally yes. Uh, please reach out to me through the underscore Poptimist for Instagram or the Poptimist Podcast at gmail.com or on my Facebook page. As my, uh, as I guess my, uh, my normal civilian name, Taylor Berryman, you can find me that way. And let's see what else. Uh, welcome to the the podcast here, uh, Brett Spells of Lasso Spells. I fucked up his name at the beginning of the show. I said his name was Brett Lasso. I apologize. I'm deeply embarrassed and ashamed. But they have a great new record out. You should go check it out. Here's the single. Be what you want.
Welcome to the Poptimist. Today we have Brett Lasso of Lasso Spells, fresh off the heels of the new record Bohemian Mechanics. Did, did I say that right? Bohemian, Bohemian Mechanics. Mechanics. But, you know, okay. Close. Just... <laughs> yeah. Um. So you have the record out. Where can people find you at? Uh, all over online. All the normal socials: Facebook, uh, all Lasso Spells, Instagram, um, Twitter. You know, I don't really spend too much time on the uh, Twitter or. Tumblr. Uh-huh. So everything that is on our Instagram just instantly goes to this. Yes. Type thing. So, you know, I'd say Instagram is still, that's the most interesting to me. Facebook's like a little bit more informational you can put up. Yeah, Facebook events. is more now like uh, a way for the people who already keep up with you to find out what's going on. Yeah. Instagram is where you can really get your new fans. We do have a solid web page as well. Which, really? Which, okay. I mean, is still probably the best because you have Every single thing, you know, you if if you're somebody who cares about what's going on with the band, you have the press, videos, pictures, tour dates, um, bio info, the record, links to the record, the store to buy CDs. Yes. Uh, we'll have shirts in there soon. Yeah. And you just played your release show the other night at the High Watt. Yep. Yes. It indeed. was fan fucking tastic. I got Thanks, to man. I got to see you. Yeah. Um, the band was really hot. Uh, we were kind of yeah. talking before you know we started up today about how the record is kind of slinky, and the band even brought that out a little bit more. It was kind of more expansive. Yeah. A little jammier. Yeah. Absolutely. Can, can you talk a little bit about that and if that was a conscious effort? Yeah. That I mean that is purely the band expressing themselves. Um, under I guess the, the the guidance of music that I've wrote. You know, like here's the thing, now express yourself within it. You know, um I've never ever given people charts or anything. It's just listen to the record and then let's do it. I'll see how you do it because there's no way you're gonna do it like like anybody else, you know, 'cause I'll I'll precurse this uh with uh the record was recorded before this band was put together. And so 
everybody that I'm playing with live didn't play on the record. So they're kind of just listening to it, picking up things they like, and then doing those things, but still doing them their way, you know? And so I love that. I like to play with people that I can give something, and then they give me back something that I, that I didn't even realize. It's the, the, the kind of the way you feed off of each other playing with other musicians. Absolutely. And it's one yeah. of the things that is so great about this town because we're surrounded by other people who maybe will touch an instrument in a different way than we would originally anticipate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. And so ultimately, like I, before this, I was telling you, I feel like the, the record is just like a great document of the song and actually why I like it to be, you know, I mean, we have twists and turns and a lot of different layers and things going on in the record, of course, but it is, uh, um, the, the record as a whole is definitely a little bit easier to take in than the live thing, which is, you know, tempo changing and, and all kinds of stuff. A little trippier live. Yeah. Much trippier live, you know? And so it's, uh, that can be cool. I mean, you have like the Grateful Dead, you know, their first album is pretty much like that on a record. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like these like way out jams and, you know, it gets really intense and, and slower and stuff. And, and, um, the MC5 recorded their first record entirely live. Oh yeah. You know, kick out the jams, jams, motherfucker. Yeah. That's like, uh, that's like pretty near and dear to my heart, that type stuff, you know, but, um, but I also just love the like clear, solid production uh, lyrics are you know very clear and everything. I that's I think with the next record I actually want to want to make it even more um, high fidelity than this last one. Mm-hmm. You know I want to do something that's like very clear and very like lush and concise. Yeah, yeah, a li- little bit more like you know with this record it was it was actually recorded very rudely you know like um in at my house everything was tracked at my house it sounds really good for being tracked at a house you know in a in in a, a house that has basically no sound proof proofing or anything that you'd find in a studio you know we if things were like loud or weird we maybe kind of like move something around or whatever mm-hmm. but it was it was recorded really really rudely and then in post production put through like really old awesome compressors and you know that kind of really like built it up into mm-hmm. what it is you know that buttery vintage sound yeah that buttery but overall it's like it's it's fairly gnarly sounding you know yeah. like like compared to um i don't know like uh re- i i really love the way that um Kurt Vile's record Waken in a Pretty Days. Uh-huh. And I remember him actually reading something or, or hearing him talk about wanting that record to sound like Fleetwood Mac. You know, or something like rumors. Like just yeah. like like ultra everything's so super clear and the the beats are you know, I kinda grew up on music like that and so I've never really recorded anything quite that. Did you grow up in a musical household? No. No, not... I mean, yes, absolutely uh, music, lovers of music, but not not musicians, uh-huh. you know? So, yeah, my mom and dad 
love music. They love to see music. They love to listen to music. But my, I mean, my dad uh, actually is a incredible harmonica player as of the last like ten years. Really? Yeah. He he always messed around a little bit, but then became like a serious like blues harmonica player. Wow. And has played with a band for years and. Uh, yeah, so it's really, it's really odd that I never, I was given a guitar when I was like 10 and I loved like Nirvana and stuff, but like, um, tried and just hated it. Mm -hmm. I just hated, I was just like, this just isn't what, you know, it didn't come natural. And so I was just like, this is not fun. Playing songs like Nirvana. Yeah. Come as you are. Yeah. Was the first song, you know. And is one string, but I just couldn't wrap my head around like groove and stuff. You know, yeah. I was just like, the it, was, it was like a math ear. problem, and then it just made me mad because I hated math. Yeah, you know, totally. and I was just like, this just, this is just uncomfortable, you know. And so I put it down, and I didn't pick it up again until I was twenty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's uh That's. I remember not like a very typical. W- yeah, I remember a very weird moment actually when I was 19 almost 20 and I had a a guitar like this electric guitar this little epiphone guitar that um, my dad's friend had bought for my birthday or something Mm -hmm. and I just like was walking in my room and looking at it every day and didn't give a shit and then one day I just like looked at it and I was like that looks fun like I should I should figure that out you know and then just like started playing it and started listening to music more. You know? What were you listening to at that time that got you kind of back into playing guitar? Uh, actually, it was uh, I started singing first. Really? Yeah, so I, I got to um, rewind past... Before that a little bit, I had been completely consumed by Iggy Pop and the Stooges, you know? Fuck yeah, okay, we speak the same language. Yeah, that, that was like... I was... Up and so up until a point in high school, like senior year or something, I think it was beginning of senior year. Um, I was listening to like kind of anything. Like like I grew up in the uh, Northern California, like mountains, like ski area, mm-hmm. snowboard area, and uh, so everybody I was friends with were either snowboarders or skateboarders or wakeboarders or. Something border. BMX or, you know, it was like all that kind of California world. And so there was always really good music on those like movies, on the the movies. And then yeah, those movies totally. would turn into soundtracks that we all listened to. And so there was like lots of like Fugazi. Oh, yeah. And um, I am a patient for it. Yeah, yeah totally. you know, like stuff and like um, hot water music and uh-huh. all these things that I don't even know how to comp- explain what kinds of music those are because they're like. They're just music that was created in like the late ninety or well, Fugazi goes way back, but yeah. like hot water music I think was like in the nineties. I'm not even sure the timeline of those, but I was listening to that shit in like it's the a lot early two thousands. Like you know? surf and skate videos and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like right? for some reason all the surf and skate stuff really like latched onto that music uh-huh. at that time. You know, it's kind of emo stuff. There was yeah. like some kind of emo stuff, like Dude, on Thursday. That's totally my, totally my yeah. era. Like I remember yeah. when uh, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember getting that game the day it came out, and I also got the soundtrack when that came out too. Mm-hmm. And it had like um, uh, 
My Chemical Romance did a cover of Astro Zombies by the Misfits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I was like, who are the Misfits? What is this? Misfits, I see your shirt. And oh, I've, yeah. I've been wanting to comment on the whole time because they were huge. I listened to a massive amount of Misfits when I was 17, uh-huh. 18, you know, and um, I've, I've seen them, you know, a couple of times and um, in different incarnations. Um, AFI, Tiger Army, oh, you yeah. know, like totally. um, stuff like that. But I was I was never like into it. I just thought it was really cool, uh-huh. and it was like my soundtrack to like everything else I was doing. I didn't really give a shit about like the the instruments they were playing or why or or, or what the music. You they just were liked into. it. It was. I pure. just liked it. I was just like it's just music. I was just a music listener. I uh-huh. didn't. And then a friend like literally was like out of a movie or something. You know like. The skateboard kid who was kind of like more of like a retro, you know, wearing like tight bell bottoms and had like long hair, but was like a really good skater. Mm -hmm. But it was a lot of skateboarders were somehow really hip to like the 60s, 70s stuff. And um, he was just like, man, check this out and just like put headphones on my head. And it was uh, Iggy and the Stooges, uh, Seek and Destroy, you know. Fuck yeah. And, um... And it was just like uh, a fucking just a bomb went off. Yeah, it was just like everything. Yeah, you know, it's just like I'd never heard guitar like that. I'd never heard a singer that was like so just fucking wild. And yeah. and it was just and it sounded so good. Like just the the whole. Pure testosterone. Yeah, it was just like the energy and everything about it was just so... Like, I'd heard the Rolling Stones and and thought probably it was, like, my parents' music. Uh-huh. You know, and I and I was like, eh, that's cool. I liked Neil Young, because my mom would always play Neil Young, mm-hmm. which is now probably my most dear to my heart. Really? Yeah. You know, it was like, Neil Young is now, like just a, a massive you know inspiration to me but um at the time i was just kind of like yeah i don't know i like that stuff it's cool i've parents music you know iggy and the stooges were like that but like just completely spoke to me yeah you know they were the misfits in the rebels of the of the music business they were not welcome well, the to misfits or were into this you know yeah. all those bands were totally. into the stooges mm-hmm. that was like that was the band. Yeah, you know, that they, they were loved. the band that launched a thousand bands, mm-hmm. and the Ramones came around, and even more so was able to do that with punk rock. But it was like Iggy and the Stooges were like the first real fucking punk rock and roll. Yeah. Just no holds barred. That's funny. I said I said seek and destroy because that's the actual term that they used in, in Vietnam but the song is Search and Destroy Search and Destroy yes that's you know, right that's yeah. the Stooges and, but um, Raw Power Raw Power you know but I remember reading that Iggy was reading about Seek and Destroy uh-huh. which was like the, the Vietnam War thing mm-hmm. and uh, and then obviously singing it you know um, Seek is not definitely not as yeah. easy to say as Search have you listened to the Bowie mixes of that album mm-hmm what do you mm. think of the Bowie versus Iggy mix? You know, the fucking the Iggy mix is just insane when I listen to it oh, now because yeah. it's just like 
in your unbelievably face. piercing. Yeah. And he said he's like, yeah, everybody in the studio was pissed because I was just making it like piercing. And at the time when I was nineteen to like twenty four mm-hmm. or twenty three, it just spoke to me, like that all the raw, the just raw power, the rawness of it, you know, and that was my mix, like, I listened to the the Bowie one and thought, oh, that's neat, and just, like, shelved it, like, oh, it's cool, I love it, because it's Bowie and it's in, but Uh no way, now, I think, I I would remix it, (laughs) just somewhere in between, (laughs) yeah, honestly, totally, yeah, you know, because it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be as uncomfortable to listen to as, as Iggy's is, but it definitely could use some more, like, um, just energy than the Bowie one mm-hmm. is, is, like, some kind of laid-back version of I it. Think, I think it uh, Bowie's mix works well on the songs that are a little slower and a little yeah. darker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ones that are more stuff, yeah. more in-your-face and more punchy are the ones that the Iggy makes is good on. Yeah, yeah. So... I... And, dude, you know, I own, of course, the LP and always have it, but I can't even say that I've maybe the last time I listened to that was years ago yeah like a couple years ago I think I maybe put on I got the Raw Power LP and was listening to it but yeah they did a reissue of it they did a reissue it was like a double reissue where it was um the Bowie mix and yeah. then the Iggy mix it was like a oh, two LP cool, one cool. um I know I know they released hmm. that for record short yeah anyway. and they did a um they did like a cool little documentary too yeah that guitar player James Williamson was that was honestly the reason that I wanted to pick up a guitar. Was Damn. I heard those guitar riffs, and I didn't know why, but I just wanted to know how to do them. I wanted to learn those. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't Neil or or the Stones or the Beatles or... It was like the reject any, version any, of Yeah, or any of those, or, or Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin. It wasn't any of that stuff that made me want to pick up the guitar. It was... James Williamson, who is mostly, most people forever be like, who? Yeah. Like, my parents, they don't know, they barely know about the Stooges, you know? Have you heard the album that Iggy did with James after the Stooges broke up called Kill City? That's my favorite album. Really? Yeah, that's, that ended up being the album that I, like, moved on from, I was, like, all about raw power, everything was raw power, raw power, raw power, and then... That same friend, who I I ended up playing music with this guy, like what like he kind of mm-hmm. quits skateboarding, and wanted to be a rock and roll musician, and mm-hmm. ended up being just a dr- drug addled mess of a, as of as a often person. happens, you know. Um, I have no idea where he is to this day. Nobody does, but um, he was like man, I just got Kill City, like, and it's just totally different, man. You got to check it out. And I was just It like, swings what? way more than Raw Power does. I mean, with the saxophone? Uh-huh. I, it was like a coming-of-age record for me because, like, I didn't think I would... I liked saxophone, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, saxophone was kind of lame at that time to me. Mm-hmm. It was like, I wanted fucking fuzz guitars yep. and shit. And, like... You know, just just nasty riffs and stuff, and which there are just some great, but it's it it actually is what really then that record is what got me hooked on the Stones, Neil Young, 
the Beatles. That it was record, a gateway record yeah, for you? Yeah, that record is what then introduced me to, like, oh, shit, like, man, Iggy... D- and, and in that record, Iggy's talking about how much he loves this... Or, like, in interviews about it, like, he's so into the Stones at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were into the Stones and, and like, Keith and, and all this stuff. And, and you can see it in their style. They kind of look like they're influenced, you know, and... At first, I, I, for a while, I thought they thought that shit was lame. I didn't know that that was, like, cool stuff. Because I was more into, like, the punk stuff, like, uh, 70s, uh, New York, Dead Boys. Oh, yeah. All the stuff that came, like, right after the Stooges was mm-hmm. really huge to me. But, um, yeah, Kill City, then I, then, I started list, then I started getting into, like, the Stones, um, you know... Um, those records, Let It Bleed and, oh, and Sticky yeah. Fingers and all that, totally. you know. Exile on Main Street. Yeah, yeah, Exile on Main Street, all of that stuff. And then and then Neil Young, which out of all that stuff, Neil Young was the thing that kind of... Because he is like this ultra rock god guy like those guys. You know, he's on every bit on the same level as the Stones and maybe the Beatles. I don't know, the Beatles are like kind of always like because they came bef- uh, before they were it all. the first yeah. you know the first they have to be like sort of up there but like um neil young's pretty fucking weird and he's very loose and he's very kind of like dang he has that weird dangerous he has a lot of range yeah he has a lot of range and um so it was like it was like that stooges thing but it wasn't it, it was like really fucking like well done mm-hmm. it wasn't about the energy it was like he was like off he was unhinged but it was like very serious very serious music you know which a feeling a feeling yeah 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 and so yeah that neil stuff i think is what comes across in my plane more than anything what's your favorite neil young record uh everybody knows this is oh of course yeah i would probably like, say that's my favorite too you know um everyone knows this is nowhere um Everybody, oh my god. Wait, no, everybody I'm, knows this is nowhere. I uh, think that might be it. Everybody knows this is nowhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting all jumbled with the names today. But uh, Cowgirl in the Sand, you know, was like... I had a band in San Francisco called um, uh, In the Dust. Mm-hmm. And it was Ruby in the Dust. And then somebody, I don't know, some somewhere along the line was just like, just make it In the Dust. Somebody in the band or something, you know? Yeah. But, um... Ruby in the Dust is, of course, lyrics from Cowgirl in the Sand, you know. And, and that, I, I think because I actually learned how to play guitar really for real when I was um, 24, mm-hmm. I would say. You know, like 22, I started, I was like, I'm going to become a fucking serious guitar player. You know, like I'm going to learn how to do all of this shit and, that I've always wanted to do. And it took me like two years from then... It's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, I had well, I had a guitar player. It I had a four piece band in San Francisco, and the guitar player quit, and the other guys were like, "Well, fuck it, let's keep playing," you know. And I was like, "Yeah, but I don't know how to play lead." And they're like, "Yeah, you do. We've heard you play lead. You're you're fine. You know, you're great. You know how to play. Just do it." And so then, being a three piece when you're playing lead is like, it's like do or die oh yeah you know like you go into that you have to figure out how to engineer the thing to 
sound right. You know, you can't go for certain things unless you're super confident, which I wasn't, you know. And so it's mm-hmm. like I learned how to do that from listening to Neil because he he was actually really very much a two guitar guy. He loved the weaving and always had um, Danny, you know, in that era um, playing like second Neil Young guitar, you know. Yep. So, but his his stuff was so rhythmic. And it was it was like a it never like a million notes actually the opposite, uh-huh. you know that type of stuff where I was just like, fuck yeah. It was like Morse like, code. Yeah, like I can make, I can li- I can tol- three notes is like all I need, mm-hmm. you know, and I can just kind of just groove around the, the thing these guys doing that, you know, and so that's why I think it sticks with me that um. I, a lot of his playing comes out in my plane, you know, like I, I like to like fully emulate it at times, you know, when I feel like it's right in a song, I'll do like a full on Neil Young, um, hit or lick or riff or, or something. Mm-hmm. And it's not what, you know, I, I, I feel like I play my, like myself often more so than not, yeah. but you know, it's fun well, to do. one thing that, that, kind of makes me think about that in, in like being in a town surrounded by musicians where musicians for the most part, and I think this is a good thing is we are traditionalist. We play music together and we pass it down from generation to generation. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to really find what makes you, you as an artist oh, yeah. and just run with that or not even find it, just allow it to manifest itself. Right, right. Because you can try and fight it. Because for a while I've I've been, I tried to do so much shit that was out of my comfort zone. I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. And just really weird, like, musical shit, just trying a bunch of different things. Like, I've started really being able to sight read for the first time in my life. Yeah, yeah. And just do a bunch of shit. And I was like, you know, really? I write songs that are like, two and a half to three minutes long and they're pop and they have a melody. Yeah. And that's, that's who I am. That's what I you can, do. Yeah. I can do all that other shit and that's cool. And that's fun for me to experiment with. But the times where I like myself the best yeah. and the times that it feels the most right is when I'm sitting there just composing something. hundred percent. Yeah. So that's... it's finding or allowing yourself to be what you really are. And that's not easy. Be what you want. Be what you want, yes. <laughs> Which is what we will play, have played at the at the opening of the show. Cool. Yeah, I I, I always actually, um, I think at one point I, I was saying, I, I wanted to call it like, be what you are or something, you know, but it just didn't work. Yeah, It yeah. just like didn't, you know, some things like have just to work. Just doesn't sound as good. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound as good, you know, but that's, that's. That's a you know because the that's essentially the the message. Even if the message isn't in there, <laughs> it's essentially mm-hmm. the message of the t- the title of that song and what we repeat in that song. You know the the lyrics kind of go into something altogether different that sort of wraps back into that thought. But but be what you want is really like just like being real, being yourself. You know, for better or worse. You know, because... Yep. Sometimes it's going to be better and sometimes it's going to be worse. Yeah, 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 totally. And it's so easy to emulate things. Or try to, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not easy to do it. It. It's easy to try to do it. Yeah. And, and so... Easy to fail at it. Yeah, easy to fail at it. And so often easy to see people doing it and being like... Oh, it feels kind of cheap. 
Not to mention, if you want to get real heavy with it, it going into forget about artists or anything we're involved in and just look at society, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and people that just live and base themselves purely off of something that's telling them to, yeah. whether it's fucking, I don't know, Cosmopolitan People magazine, like these just school ma- mass job, media parents. you know mass um mass entertainment you know these things are they're engineered they to at a certain point you know i mean it's like there's a lot of music that i don't care for that i don't think is necessarily like engineered to be that way but there is stuff that's engineered to guide people into things and that's fine to an extent i mean there's entire cities that you'll go to when you're traveling you know, in this country, it's mostly is what I'm talking about, where it's just, um, there is nothing there that is out of the ordinary, you know, it's, and, and that's fine. And that's fine with everybody there. And that's, and, and I don't judge them for it. You know, I mean, sometimes maybe their, uh, decisions I'll judge them for, but you know, because they should make better decisions because they're very close minded, you mm-hmm. know, but a lot of times I'm not judging those people at all on like their style or what they're into you know because they're just fed a certain thing and and that's just i happen to not be raised in that yeah you know and but i very well could have been you were raised in kind of like a counterculture yeah world definitely definitely in california where i was raised it it was it was pretty safe you know like i i would go i remember going to cities when i was young with my family and stuff but we were in pretty uh, middle, you know, like middle class, suburban, but like in mountains. So it was mm-hmm. a little more of, in touch with nature. Yeah, definitely more in touch with nature. And um, my parents were hippies in the 60s, you know, and um, so they had like a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. You know, in them and stuff and thought it was cool for me to like dye my hair when I was like nine I got my ears pierced when I was nine or an ear pierced when I was nine Mm -hmm. because like somebody I thought cool had one and they were they were always very supportive and encouraging of Mm -hmm. all your creative kind of yeah still are letting your find your own self yeah my mom's out here right now she came out for the release really Mm -hmm. that's cool yeah and so she's just like they're they're like 100% uh, supportive because they they never they had parent very strict like conservative parents mostly on, on one side but um that were very upset that they didn't go to college and very upset that do the thing the yeah, american thing that yeah, we're told that to they do. were like you know j- just didn't have like yeah job like serious jobs and yeah. stuff you know my dad's a, a carpenter very talented, you know, like amazing carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he sure was. Um, but he's also kind of a wild man too, you uh-huh. know. And so it's that which is those kind of go hand in hand. But um, yeah, they they were just not that. You know, I didn't I didn't go to college at all. Yeah. And not because I didn't think about it. I actually did try, briefly, you know, and was just simply like you know what, like, I'm not sure what I'm meant to do, but this isn't it. And they were just like, okay, cool. Like you, you, you're feeling, you're living. You're Mm -hmm. just like living and figuring out 
what it is that makes you happy. You know, it's like, whereas most people are just like, fuck that. Do what makes you unhappy. Who cares? Yeah. That's just go what for you secu- do. Yeah, people you always know? tell you to go for security. I remember... Yeah, security, security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I made a pretty big effort, I guess, in my life. I didn't go to college either. And I made a pretty big effort to just kind of figure it the fuck out. Because yeah. I just started working right away as soon as I graduated from mm-hmm. high school. I mm-hmm. worked retail jobs for like four years. And then eventually I kind of got more involved in like the business like business world. Right, right. Sales, white collar, office jobs. And um, recently, you know, within these past couple of months is when I, I've stopped working altogether. And I yeah. just knew I couldn't keep doing it. Same. It, it was... Yeah. It, kept spitting me out every time I tried to do it. Yeah. It, there was like, some, for some reason, it just wouldn't work. And it's like, a job will always try and grind every dollar out of <laughs> yeah. you that it can. That's the business model. That's the business model. And that's the yeah. way it is. And you know, I don't necessarily even resent that. It's just not yeah. for me. No, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And, you know, you need you need money. You need funds. You need, you need to eat. You know, you need to survive. Uh, so... Yeah, I've never, I've never been somebody that's like, I don't want a job. I'm like, well, I'm going to find that fucking money somewhere. Yeah. And I'm going to like do something. And though, if you learn anything, the older you get, it's that there are like a million different things you can do. There's a bunch of hustles. There's a bunch of hustles. There's a bunch, you know, it's like you can see where having a structured career security is you're like, yeah, okay. Like, I can see how that's the positives in that, mm-hmm. you know? But then, like, what about this fucking guy who just found a niche and is and blasted past that? And figured it out. You know, and, and, and is actually, like, happier for it and wealthier for it, you know, and stuff. And it's just like, there's also that weird loophole. No one know? will pay you what you're worth except for you. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. no job I feel that's has, very true has ever there's there's been one or two jobs that really <laughs> recognized my mind that I have and yeah. thought well, let's teach them some some stuff right but for the most part it's very rare that someone's gonna respect you for who and what you are yeah they're just gonna try and utilize it as much as possible for their own gain right right and then cut you loose the first sign of trouble that it, right. that it'll benefit them to to move another direction totally totally I'd say it's it's very rare. It's probably happened, you know, where where some where I mean, especially in music, you know, where you see you see the you, these uh, stories of of people like back to Neil Young or art, artists that just get nurtured, mm-hmm. you know, or got nurtured by somebody who was just in Gave a position and was just like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this freedom to you, you know, and then they ran with it. And, created history you know so it's sometimes <laughs> sometimes it happens i guess sometimes you know a lot, a lot of times people lost their asses but yeah well there's a, a long history of this predatory pimp mentality in the music business yeah where artists have just gotten fucked throughout the ages and, and the one thing that's always kind of crazy to me is that now we are able to really just do whatever we want however we want yeah yeah, for real, for real. Yeah. Um, and we have the complete freedom to de- decide what it is because we can give it to the world. They they were the gatekeepers. They were. There's no gatekeeper anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like you can just put a video up online or put it, a song up, and it could go. And if you viral. find avenues, it can. Yeah, it can. It can be. It can do something that makes the biggest record label in the world go. Oh shit! 
God, what would, I wish we, profitable. I wish yes. we were doing that, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. And it's crazy. That's crazy. And historically, the music business has always had that mentality of catching up too late. Like they, yeah. they don't see it, they don't see it as that. Like they try and fight tooth and nail any kind of change that happens. Yep. They fight it. They resist it. They fucking fail. They get knocked on their asses. Yep. <laughs> what whoever it was, artistically, technology, whatever it is, prevails. And then they ha- they're forced into adapting. Yeah. And it's happened time and time and time again. It happened with fucking Napster. They lost. They could have. They could have gotten out front yeah. of all of that shit. Oh yeah. They could have got out front. They could have figured iTunes could have happened in like 1999. Yeah. Yeah. But they totally. were like, no, fuck you. Like we, <laughs> we have CDs. We have all these CD plants. We're not gonna. We're not gonna change. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I God I was thinking about Napster I I used Napster yeah you know when it was first out uh, it was kind of a thrill I remember because I oh, yeah. I was just like didn't I was not like savvy with that stuff at all uh huh but I figured it out yeah and made mixed CDs and, oh like, yeah put them in my truck and they like work and I'd be like I didn't go to the fucking record store for this yeah like what the fuck this is insane you know yeah and I remember Metallica Lars. He was pissed, dude. Being pissed and talk and talk, and I remember being a little fucking shit at that time. Arrogant, stupid music consumer, you know that was just like, this guy sucks. Well, like, screw this guy. I we want free music, you know. Mm-hmm. And like we, who can? But then fast forward, to, trying to have to a being career, a musician, yeah. and being like. Dude, like Lars was he that would I yeah, if that happened, if that if there was a changing of the tide like that right now, I would also would have been like, Yeah, please don't steal my music. Yeah. Like you know, come on, like I gee, like we can talk deals. Like maybe, you know, music, yeah, it shouldn't be eighteen dollars a CD. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was it was insane what I used to spend on CDs. Oh stuff, yeah. You know, it was stupid. Sure. It was robbery, really, for uh-huh. Because studios shouldn't be that expensive and, and bonuses. Everything shouldn't have been that uh, um, expensive, you know, but... Inflation. Inflation. Inflated, that's the word, you know. And uh, But looking back, it's like, that. it went from that to free. Yeah. You know, was that's like true. was like a thing and it's just like, ah. It's like, yeah. wait, let's, let's, maybe half? Maybe yeah. half is cheap, maybe a quarter. They, and that's they're what just, iTunes they're do. just yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not they're yeah. not good at like the music business is just historically not good at wrapping <laughs> their heads around a new business idea. Yeah, because yeah. they're 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 number crunchers, and I and I get it. I understand it makes it possible, or at least at one point in history, made it possible for people like us to, to feed ourselves. Right, and right. To ha- at one point people had fucking mansions and shit yeah. that weren't even doing much at all. No, yeah, no, we're releasing. Releasing maybe a record a year, two records a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's changed and speculatory bands too. Mm-hmm. I think it's changed for the better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me me too. You know now it just comes down to um, what was always a problem, which is just being cool and accepted. Yeah. You know, which is like you de- that that has nothing to do with money. It it's there's scenes and there's niches and it, it's more more so with what I do. 
mm-hmm. because I'm not trying. I'm not really aiming for like the Billboard charts. You know, like sure, sure I'll, I'll fucking take it. You know, love. I'll love it if mass people love my music. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm aiming for to be involved with the scenes of the music that I like. Yeah. Now, like now music, you new music, you know, and um, that could be really, really tricky mm-hmm. because there's, there's a lot of different styles, things you can do, things you can't do, things, yeah. you know, what are the people doing that are really hip and happening and doing, th- you know, and then that's just like a whole other conversation. For sure, yeah. yeah. There, there is this this whole new frontier because of the internet of the the genre scene. Genre scene, and it's yeah. even here in Nashville, like oh, big time. Broad big Broadway time. is its own scene, hundred percent. A music row, like the whole songwriter thing, is its own, its own scene. scene. Yep. East Nashville is its own scene, and there's multiple scenes within that. Yes, exactly. You there's know, a blue from mainstream scene. to to ground floor yeah you know that's totally. in east nashville as well and uh yeah it's in and it that doesn't really involve the music business at all no that's nothing like, to do with the music yeah, business it's like <laughs> that's entirely the creative aspect of it yeah, yeah and i mean to the point that they're involved is to the point to where they show up when something is already happening exactly and they're like this is a great that's, idea you know you you ultimately want that acceptance and want to be in those scenes and those places because the booking agents and the and the A&Rs and whatever are all going the, all to the bullshit shows yeah, yeah. you know and so so yeah it's it's a tool for attracting the music business mm-hmm. but they don't play a part in it no. because everybody's like fuck music business get out of here you're not creative yeah we'll we, you know we, we'll deal with you when we need you yeah you know fortunately <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly exactly so you got some tour dates coming up. Yeah. Where are you going to be playing? Where can people see you at? Where can they hear you? Well, we have, we're starting, it's just a little tour, five days. Um, you know, everything's been building this year. And so it's been really tough to tour. It's very tough to tour when you don't have a record out, mm-hmm. you know? And so now we just now have a record out. So really next year is the big tour time. But this year we're doing the uh, 11, uh, so November 14th through 18th. Uh-huh. We're going to be in Carbondale on the 14th, uh, St. Louis on the 15th. Where's, where's Carbondale at? Uh, Illinois. Okay. It's like three hours away. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah. didn't realize it was that close. Yeah, I have a lot of friends here from there. Yeah, it's cl- it's close. There's a cool little, there's a cool rock and roll scene up there. Hmm. Uh, going to St. Louis, Missouri uh, on the 15th. Um, playing at a place called Foam there, which I think is like a coffee slash bar coffee beer wine bar something like that mm-hmm. looks cool um then going up to rock island illinois way up way up north uh pretty far up north uh on the 16th a lot of good bands unreal we're playing this show with like i think four other bands it's like almost like a little thing you know and uh the bands are just outrageous and like no but i don't think anybody really knows about them really condor and jaybird what kind of music like is us. it? Yeah. Like like totally different but like 60s influence yeah. maybe but maybe influenced by Radiohead too, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like like that okay. that type shit, but um Golden Fleece is another band on that bill. Um then on Saturday we we had 
we are currently TBD for Saturday because we had a show fully booked in Chicago that was double booked. It was at the Virgin Hotel, and it got it got dropped. So we have Cincinnati on Sunday and all those shows before. Uh huh. And so, so you're trying to eleven seventeen. If anybody show. hears this, <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe we we we're looking at some other cities around there. Okay, like cool. other Ohio cities and and stuff. But all those dates are on uh, lassospells dot com. Cool. Sorry, awesome. that was like a long winded. No, hey, that's that's exactly what this show is. And then with uh, at the basement here on November thirtieth. The basement OG. Yep. Okay. Basement OG cool. with our our really good buddies, Crease Reader. Have you ever heard them? No, I've never heard of them. They're one of the one of my favorite bands in town. It's their um, record release, or it might be a single release. It's a mm-hmm. release of of some sort. I have to double check, but yeah, at the basement on the thirtieth. Fantastic, dude! Thank you for coming on the show. Congratulations on yeah. the new record. It's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah.